You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 368 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good. What's been happening in Gina world? Oh, so much, but uh, I think we'll talk about what we've been doing at the end of the show. I want to start the show with a link I found. Sarah okay. Jessica Parker, Sex in the oh, yes. Sea, we know her yes. best for. Also, like yes. she's done a heap of Divorce is a great show that she did, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. But, like, she's most well-known for uh, Sex in the City, has been shot for the December cover of uh, American Vogue, US Vogue, and shot by Daniel Jackson wearing Dolce and Gabbana. And uh, mm-hmm. I've put a link to that um, in the show notes. And I want to get your take on what you think of the cover Val because I have a couple of um, issues with it so the cover is um, well you can check out um, Daniel's work because I think it's uh, very beautiful and very elegant I talk about uh, working with the color gray as a background because I just think it elevates all work it's so simple and stylish and expensive Um, I don't know about the cover choice So first of all, if everyone wants to have a look, you can, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it is the December US cover of Vogue. Mm. And uh, basically it's a shot of Sarah Jessica Parker uh, against a light grey background and she's wearing essentially a ball ball gown. So it's a bustier and then lots and lots of tulle, you know, very flowy with appliques all over it. Gold and silver. Yeah. And she's looking um to the camera? left so so camera if you've got left. the word so if you've got the word vogue she's looking in the direction of the v right yes. and her back is to the e uh and it's very very there's nothing in it except for her the dress and a completely gray background there's no cover lines at all so it's extremely clean it's clean. extremely streamlined and it's her in profile she's she's absolutely side on with her hands on her waist um and so she, and, and it's just her her profile um and she's not actually smiling she's looking quite serious into Wonder the distance. Woman pose so she's got both yes. um arms on her uh waist which is tiny and those arms there's a lot of work in the gym there, very beautifully <laughs> sculpted and mm. hair on point. So if you've got a dress like this. Yes, it, it pulled into a quite severe bun. Severe bun, but there is so much going on in that dress, so much. Mm. When you've got an outfit like that, the only choice is to have a severe bun. Now, if they mm. did foo-foo hair, like big hair, like she does have amazing hair, and they had the hair out and if they had jewelry. So they've gone for no jewelry. 
this is what mm. I love about this shot, and I'm going to tell you what I don't like as well. Okay. Simplicity, the elegance, the fact that, like, the jewellery is so minimal. Like, she's got a cuff. I think she's got a cuff on her uh, left hand and then, obviously, a ring. No no, no earrings, no necklace. So you can see it's her decolletage, Val. Parlez-vous français un peu? Yeah, um, okay. And uh, the hair, amazing, and you can see that the you know the streaks of grey and and the blonde highlights, and then the fierce look, love it. Mm. The thing I mm. don't love, mm. she's facing the wrong way. It's jarring mm. to me. If she was facing mm. camera right towards where you open the page, would have flowed mm. a lot better for me. I would have had her I the agree. other way. Now, this may be because this is her best profile, or maybe because this is where. The photographer wanted to light it, or they made it deliberately jarring. I also wish DNG wouldn't use <laughs> all that applique. I don't think <laughs> it's necessary. However, the the um, the outline of that dress is absolutely gorgeous. Now, there's some other shots that you and I would probably run as cover to Val. What what do you reckon? So there's a yeah, link. so basically in, in the link that we've got in the show notes not only shows you the cover of December Vogue, it's got some of the inside spread, which are yep. which are gorgeous. I mean They're gorgeous. She's, there's a great shot of her with a very with with a hat that's really made out of a whole heap of ostrich feathers in a very soft blush pink. And she's you, you, it's only um shooting from her like sternum up and it yep. looks like she hasn't got anything else on, but she's probably got a boob tube on or you know, yeah. bustier on. How gorgeous um, is that shot? Simple and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yep. But then there's this great shot, and this kind of is the opposite of what you were saying. If you've got a busy dress, you should have, you know, a, a um less busy hair but here she's wearing a busy dress and she's got very busy hair and it looks amazing and it all works actually so there's a there's a shot where she's wearing a very floral colorful dress and a bright blue jacket but she she, it's very dynamic she's moving and her hair is free-flowing just like the the carrie bradshaw that we know yeah and um and it's uh it's very free-flowing it's like there's wind and this is what I would have chosen for the cover yep. because I would buy this magazine if this was on the cover, like for sure. And, and I it's think it's got a real 80s vibe to it as well, which I love. And mm. this is the thing. So when a magazine books you for a cover try, particularly uh, someone like Vogue, you're going to shoot all, all day. And this might have been a three-day shoot. And then they they will call in all the different designers and all the different um, styles and they will test different stuff out. So you want to um, provide the editor with about five or six different looks plus mm. then there's the editorial, which they did, which is also beautiful. I think they captured um, they captured her really well in the streets of New York. It's got that real mm. sex in the city vibe. Um, yeah. But, you know, even the the big um, fluffy dress that she's wearing, the full feather outfit, like mm. that as a tight shot with the hair pulled back would have made uh, a beautiful cover as well. Um, I love that mm. fierce cover. I love everything about it. I just wish they, the, 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 she was facing the other way. I just think it would have been a lot stronger. But I think, you know, fantastic to fantastic job by Dan Jackson because I think he you knows yeah. all those images there. A gorgeous. Wonderful. All right. So um, that's Sarah Jessica Parker on the cover of December Vogue. And what I can't else wait has been happening? For sex in the City. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So I'm just standing um, up to check. 
if my um, Vespa has been picked up yet because it's getting a new battery and a service because it's summer here and summer means that I can um, whip around on my Vespa. I didn't ride it most of winter, so they let the battery go flat. So that's exciting for me. Um, <laughs> in the gold community, uh, I've just mm-hmm. finished a, um, a tutorial on two ways to light a grey background. The gold members today just got a a tutorial uh, which is front row seats at one of my Sicily workshops. So they get like to, to watch how I do fill light there. And um, there's also a complete flash on camera masterclass coming up. And we've also been talking about uh, gear to buy to save you the heartache of spending too much money on gear. So there's been a lot going on there, Val. Love it. And uh, of course, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. As a gold member, you can learn at your own pace and skill level. Here's what Pauline Clem had to say. While I'm a firm believer in having a mentor, you know, I came to photography when I was 54 and I just felt like I was running out of time. And I just thought, I need to accelerate my learning and this is the way I'm going to do it. And I joined and, yeah, haven't looked back. First of all, I love the fact that it's a global community. The body of knowledge that is there um, at my fingertip, you know, you come back, you listen again and all of a sudden it's making more sense to you and you're thinking, oh, of course, that's, you know, that's what I need to do. So the feedback's very quick when you need it. Sometimes you'll get back within the hour, almost always. The presets, the tutorials, it's all there. Instead of running around getting information from here, different websites, different books, everything I need is in one place. And the other great benefit, of course, for me was doing the Sicilian workshop this year. That was a life-changing event. My photography is totally different. Uh, So, you know, I really credit being a member of the Gold community. That's what it's done. It's great value and I, I love being in it. What more can I say? You know, it's changed my life, really. And Um, I think I'll be there for good. (laughs) You won't get rid of me. I would say if you're sitting on the fence, um, just jump in. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so let's move on to who are we talking to this week, Gina? So this week we have a friend of the podcast and also Goldman member, uh, Carla Livni. Uh, So Carla has been shooting for about five years and it's part of my series where I want to talk to real photographers that are out in the field who are just kind of um, still in that emerging phase because I think that's what a lot of our listeners are at that phase, Val. And so... um, Mm -hmm. This is a familiar story. I think this will be familiar with you. It's certainly familiar with me. So when she was in college, photography was something she really wanted to do. I think that's something that you you did a couple of courses, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. And was when you were like expressed uh, sort of any interest in anything creative, what was mm-hmm. your the reaction of your parents or friends about like doing anything in the world of art? I never told them. Right. <laughs> I just did it. Because (laughs) what would their reaction be if you said, you know what, I don't think accounting's for me. I think I'm going to be an artist. 
Well, here's the difference though. At the time you're taking it as a hobby or you're not actually saying I'm going to change my career to be a photographer or whatever. So they don't, they didn't really have any discouragement or, or anything like that because it was, it was like a hobby. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, my parents were so disappointed. Like they knew Mm. that I always wanted to be an artist, but they didn't think that I would take that seriously. And it's like, they always hoped that I would get a Mm. real job. So I also did the right thing and said, well, I'll do this teaching degree because obviously you never make it as an artist. That's something that I don't know. So few people are successful at because that was the Mm. idea that was drummed into my head. And then if you, did a career in art, then you were destined to starve in a garret somewhere, right? So, mm, mm, um, and I think um, Carla had that idea uh, drummed into her as well. So um, she did the right thing and she chose the safe path, studied law and went on to become like a, a successful lawyer. But but fast forward, that creative calling, that yearning yeah. in her, like you, Val, it was like even though you went off and you were very successful in everything you did, that creative yearning never leaves you. And it's like, I think, mm-hmm. um, I forget who who this quote was from, but they said most of the unhappiness of people in their adult life is because they never um, followed their curiosity to have that creative mm. yearning and then they put that away as something that mm. that's what you do as a child, painting, clay, yeah. play is something you do as a child, but it's that's mm. not true. It's like you should continue to play and be creative and experiment and make things all through your adult life. And I saw this, um, I know I've said this before, but it was such a, a powerful lesson to me that when I did a series of portraits in retirement homes, the people mm. that were most happiest were weren't weren't the the high-powered CEOs who had, you know, teams of hundreds that they were in control of and, you know, money galore in the bank. It was the the gardeners, the cooks, mm, the artists, mm, the musicians mm. who in their retirement, you know, even though that maybe their, their hands weren't as, you know, uh, able to play as well and, and it, they were slower, they were still able to be creative and the writers as well they were the happiest because they could they mm-hmm. still had their their passion you know it didn't it wasn't their work didn't define them so you know um Carla joined the goal community about a year ago she's been a, an absolute joy to teach because everything I suggested she would go off and try and um mm. so we chat about a whole heap of stuff like making that transition from corporate life to creative life the playing the long game you know it's not that oh, I'm going to be a huge success in three months. It's like, you know, transitioning slowly. Um, mm. We talk about the importance of creating your own website, photographing the stuff you love and um, versus, you know, the work that you should be doing, working for charities and how that can boost your business, learning mm. to light and developing confidence and saying no to certain gigs and the importance of, yes, gear and a heap more so. Um, let's have a listen to the interview and I hope you enjoy it. Carla Livney, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Gina. I am great. Happy to be here. I'm excited to chat to you. Um, Before we start, something I always ask my guests, where in the world are you? I'm in Chicago and it's a beautiful fall day today. Fantastic. I've, I've I've been to Chicago, I've driven past, it's such a cool city to drive past, such a cool city to go to, it's uh, 
beautiful big city. Are you like right in the heart of it? No, I used to be in the heart of it. Now I'm in the burbs. So lots of greenery and it's, it's, it's really nice about eight months a year, Fantastic. seven months a year. And yeah. you guys are in fall at the moment. So does the city look beautiful? Yes, the city is beautiful. We're hanging on. We're in fall, but we're in a, a rapid decline. And and you have very cold winters there, right? We do. They're really cold. I mean, they call it the Windy City. Yeah. And it's uh, it's very, very cold. Right. Well, <laughs> it's a little miserable. <laughs> we're coming into summer, but you wouldn't know. It's actually been pouring with rain, and you may hear uh, my office sort of uh, – backs onto a, a bit of a tin roof so you can might hear some rain dropping so if that, that's the sound that you hear I do apologize but I, I can't stop the weather unfortunately no yeah that would be good <laughs> um all right so Carla like um I met you uh online about a year ago now um as you were a, a member of the gold community and I have to say as a student you're an absolute delight to teach I love your mindset and the way that you constantly ask for critique we'll post the images i'll give you um guidance on lighting and you'll go off and give it a go and and uh you know for me it's an absolute delight so thank you and it was actually uh you and another uh student lucy valentine that helped me formulate the zero to hero course based on your question which was fantastic but um before we get into your experience with the gold, I want to like back up a little bit and um, ask you how you got into photography and how long you've been doing it for. You, you were an established photographer before I met you, so how was your sort of entry into the world of photography? So when I was a college student, I wanted to take a photography class my senior year, and my dad, who was helping me pay for college, it said, no, he said, this is, this is not vocational school. You're not taking photography. No. <laughs> so I didn't. And, uh, I graduated and I went on to law school because I knew I had to do something where I could, you know, make a career out of it and make and make an income. So I did that. And for a long time, I really didn't pick up a camera. I had was interested in it, but then I kind of just put it aside. I was a practicing attorney. Um, and it was years later that I, I always had an interest in it, but years later that I picked up a camera and then progressively over the last 10 years, I've just gotten more and more really consumed with it. I would officially say I'm consumed with it now. And, um, a few years ago I stopped, I was practicing law on and off as my family was growing. And then I stopped and I decided to dedicate myself primarily to, um, photography right. and to really learn, you know, start to try to learn it, learn and fill some gaps. That's interesting. Um, was it like in your time, like while you were practicing law all of that time, did you, was there that yearning for that creative side? Because it's like I've heard so many times that all of the world's problems would be removed if everyone got to uh, express themselves creatively. And it's something that we're taught maybe in primary school, but by the time we get to, you know, secondary high school, it's kind of beaten out of us. And it's it's like, I know that when I was in high school, and I know, I, I don't think you mind saying that, I think we're all the same age, we're all Gen Xs, right? I just put right, it out there, right? right? But um, when I went to high school, art, anything creative was always looked down on. It's getting better now. I think it's encouraged more, but that that's sort of having a creative life and I think you, you, your father's reaction 
my parents were horrified when I told them I wanted to be a, a photographer, horrified. They were embarrassed by the idea. Um, and then a lot of people go into a certain career and then they suffer because they don't get to have that that creative outlet. Did, did you did you feel that while you were practicing law? Did you did you feel like there was something missing? I did, but I was so consumed with where I was at that I really didn't feel like I had the time to address it. And I really tabled it. I really did. I did exactly what you said. And I just tabled it. And people were just absolutely surprised when I started doing, I did a lot of landscape before I got into people and I got more into people, certainly since I've become a gold member. And in the last, maybe a year or two before I was doing landscapes and, uh, and travel photography and people were very, very surprised to see that side of me because there was this creative side that they just had no idea existed. Right. So that, and, and so you, you, you left law, like law about 10, 10 years ago. What was that reaction like? Did people think you're crazy? No, no. People understood. I, you know, was raising a family and it just made sense for us. And it's not like I left law and became a photographer. So there was a a transition period there and it made sense. Right. All right. So tell me about that transition. Tell me about that decision. I want to take this more seriously. So what did you do sort of 10 years ago to, to get yourself back into photography? Did you do courses or? Yeah, I did do some courses. I, uh, definitely, dabbled in courses, not any sort of like consecutive, like a program, but I would take a, uh, a, a cor- not really people because, you know, taking photographs of people is risky, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. then you get total feedback. Yeah. So I wasn't doing that then. And uh, I told myself I wasn't interested in that in the beginning. Right. Right. Um, and so I focused just a lot on learning on natural light, you know, and everybody says, Oh, I, I don't, I don't want to light my <laughs> shots. Well, that's because you don't know how to light them. <laughs> No, flash doesn't look good is what everyone says. It's like, nah, it looks artificial. I don't like it. Natural light's the best. <laughs> right, exactly. That's when you don't know how to do it. So <laughs> I, I, you know, slowly just, I really just focused on, I, for, year, for years, natural light. I was scared. I was scared of uh, flash and strobes. Right. So were you doing this on your own or were you doing, um, did you have uh, sort of, uh, night courses or any sort of courses that you were doing to sort of learn? How how did you learn manual mode and things like that? You know, I really did learn it primarily on my own. I did take some local classes um, around where I live and that just helped because you have assignments Yes, and those are reviews. You're in a class and that was really helpful and you do learn from other people. There's nothing like a community that to help if you're open to it, to help you learn and to raise your game. Yeah. I, you know, everybody, um, what is that? A rising tide lifts all ships yes, and it's yes. true. Yes. Yeah. And so I really started to learn there. And then before I joined the gold community about a year before I took a lighting class Right. and that was very helpful, but they set up, he was, he's a great teacher, but in the end, there's just, you know, 15 people in a class and they end up, they tell you about the different lighting styles, but they pretty much set it up for you. And that's the hardest part is setting it up right. Because the, if getting the light, I mean, you know, too close or too far away, you get shadows or it's not right or hot spots you don't want. And you really have to do that yourself. That's the hard part. Mm. Tell me about like, let's go back a few years. So tell me about like the transition from when did you decide that, you know, landscapes, 
are great, but I, I want to photograph people because in your network, um, you've got these all these uh, professionals who need headshots, right? So you've already got these people in your network. So tell me how you developed that and transitioned from, say, a landscape photographer to 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 growing a business. So you know that would have been really nerve wracking to me to go right into a professional type of situation and also not necessarily what I was interested in, right. in, in taking a bunch of, you know, gray background headshots. Yes. So I started this business three years ago called causography. Right. Um, and I, my idea was to, I had always given back to the community. I, I finished my legal career working in a legal aid clinic. I, that I left there and started this photography business. Right. And I, thought the best way to get into this is to offer my services to organizations that need it. And it will help me build a portfolio. It's a win-win yes. I'm going to do for them. And I'm going to be able to use their photos to build a website and to promote myself on Instagram. And it didn't seem as risky. It seemed they were so happy to have photographs and I was so happy to do them. All right. Let's, so, just, let's just back up a little bit. And yeah. Drill down into this a little bit more. So causography is about, um, offering, um, not-for-profit organizations photography is that right so you're helping uh charities that did you know of these charities first how did you approach them and, and how did you set that up let's go back from to square one here yeah so sure so causography really is just the name of my business if somebody hires me to do a headshot a paying customer it's all causography or cradle livney it's all under one hood but yeah i i really reached out to people, new uh, organizations that needed photos. I sent emails out. I had enough photos. I did enough of, you know, landscapes and friends and, and events or whatever, just casual things yeah. that I had enough to send in an email. And, you know, it just takes a few. And then you start and you start taking them. And before you know it, you have, you're building a portfolio. So I started that way. And I never did, and I'm not interested in any kind of events. I don't do, you know, the luncheon that supports the charity. I do what the charity does. It's the kids doing whatever it is, you know, um, whether it's Dare to Try, which is an organization that's that supports um, physically impaired um, right. adults or whatever it is. I do the people doing the activity. So, and por so portraits specifically. So I've seen some ones where you've got some. Um, uh, children with uh, physical disabilities, they might be in a wheelchair or something like that, but you photograph them in a way to make them look empowered. Is that so? Right. Stuff like that, right? But, but Stuff like that. So, are these all these organizations? So, just backing up to when you were working in legal aid, are these, are these um, organizations that you met through your work in legal aid, or is it just a matter of putting the call out? No, they are not organizations I met to. Not, I may have reached out to a couple of them, yeah. but they were ones that I just reached out to. But the Legal Aid Clinic, I've done their entire web, yes. and they've grown significantly, all of their headshots. And I, and I feel like they got better and better as I yes, went along. And that was a huge start for me to be able to – it was great for them, and it was great for me. And I've continued to do it for them so, now. So, so just going back onto the legal aid, so that's obviously a connection that you had and it's like what I want to just uh, stress here is that there is a lot of us who have this uh, corporate life or, you know, the whatever work, even if it's like you might be working for a, a, a cafe or a factory or whatever, 
you've got your connections to start with. So it's always start with what you know and then build out from there. So you started with that legal aid, doing the headshots, and then so obviously you know that there's all these charities that need help and then you've, you've worked in that area. When you're working with these charities and approaching them, like obviously you want to get photos that you can use for your website and they need something. And I'm a big believer in working for charities. I think it works for everyone. How did you approach them? What was the, um, what was the deal you made with them? What did you say to get them across the line and sell yourself? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I got this going about 10 or 11 months before COVID, maybe a year. And so what I would do is really just send out, I built a website from what I had, um, even just using my kids. Yeah. I built it myself. And the great thing about that is I could have a fancier website and maybe one day I will, but I can change out the photos and I don't Mm. have to pay anyone to do it. I know how to do it. I can change the content. And, and, you know, at the end, it's got my photos in it and that's what people need to see that at the end, that's what people want to see. So it could be, you know, it, it works. So what, what, Um, what, 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 um, template did you use for your, uh, website? Uh, photo biz, photo photo biz, and they walk you through it and it's very simple. And I think it looks nice and I could, you know, I I keep meeting like everyone else. Thank you to, to update it, but I just haven't. I have a million it's, photos it does, I want to add to it. And I can, it does the job. Um, do, do you roughly know what that, that is uh, per month or per year? Is it, is it a subscription? How does it work? Yeah, it's a subscription, and I think it might be $300 a year. No, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Do, do you get um, What do you get on the back end for that? Have you got an archive gallery or anything like that, or do you have the capacity is, to have those add-ons? There are add-ons. I use another delivery system for my proofs, but I could. Right. They they do everything. I yep. just was used to this other system, so I just kept it. And and there are a number of these uh, template-based websites that you can buy, and there's some that are a little bit less, and there's some that are a little bit more. But the important thing to remember is even just a page is better than nothing, and you need a website. If you're going to be in business as a photographer, you need a website. And I know there's a lot of people listening that are going to say, no, you don't. I've got Instagram and Facebook. But was it about a month ago, Instagram crashed, Facebook crashed, um, everything but Twitter crashed. This is likely to happen again as well. How do your clients reach you if this is like a three-day or a week thing or if just Instagram and Facebook decide to just completely change uh, their terms of service and start charging everyone to even make their images visible. So with a website, you always own that, and um, I think it's uh, very important. What what does the uh, the lawyer in Carla say to that? <laughs> I agree with that a hundred percent. The other thing I would say is you really get to choose how you want to lay out yeah. your work, and so it's it's easy to get a little sloppy on Instagram and put up you know today's photo of whatever. And it depends how you use Instagram. If you're really curating as a gallery, really with a high amount of attention, I I mean, I guess that could work, but I think there's no replacement for a website. And every email I have is linked to, it's all linked to my website. I always send people to my website. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's, it's, it's nicely laid out. You can see like the headshots, all the stuff that you do, and it's a a one-stop shop. So I think it's really important. All right. Fantastic. So you're approaching these companies. 
Um, and yeah, what are you saying to them to to get them across the line to to get have that 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 agreement where you get stuff, they get something? Well, here's the thing, Gina. You don't need to say that much because mm-hmm. they are so excited to have <laughs> you come photograph them. Right. They need the help. Yes. So they are thrilled. Uh, I mean, there's some organizations like if you hit some that are really big or really getting traction or in the news, you know, they're not necessarily going to get back to you, but there are so many organizations out there that if you're trying to build your portfolio and you want to give back or however you're going to get there, it's, it's really easy to find. You can actually pick what you're interested in. There's that much out there. Yeah. That's so true. And so, you know, it's, you may as well work for a, an organization or a charity that you have some sort of vested interest in. You might know someone and it's like, you know, um, the, and the thing that I love about when you're working with these charities and tell me if this was the case with you, Carla, is often um, the people that make up the boards that work within those charities are CEOs of other companies. So if you found that there's been spin-off work from you just because you're working with these charities and you're meeting all the people uh, that are working for the charity that have their own businesses on the side? So honestly, I haven't, Gina, but I could. Because yeah. I have it because I go to the events, whatever the event is, if it's a race or or at they're, they're at a food depository or whatever, I'm there while they're doing the work. So you're not necessarily I- interacting with the board members. You're yeah. interacting with the people that are running the day-to-day. Yeah. And so the board members are harder to get to. You'd have to do events. You'd, you'd have, have to do, do the their events for that. I do the, you'd I have do, to go I do, to the events. I do a lot of events, and for me, um, and that would be my. I, I know you don't like events, but look, that would be my advice for photographers. When you do those dinners and galas and those balls, you meet everyone, and it's like it's not like you have to meet them. They see you. You're on show. You're working the room. And suddenly as you're leaving, you're getting all these business cards pressed into your hand. Call me. I need photography. You were great today. So that would be my only tip. I know that it's not for everyone, but that's a great way to to meet everyone if you're trying to grow your business. I agree with you 100%. I mean, mine has been a slow grow because I don't do that, but it's really coming around. I mean, I've gotten so much business from just word of mouth and just – putting things out that I've taken and putting them out, whether it be my Facebook or just word of mouth that you're doing it. And, or, you know, you do something for the legal aid clinic. And and then I did have a board member come to me that yeah. saw I did their website. It just happens and things build on other things. So it does, it's just a slower build, but I agree that going to the events would be a way to accelerate. And so it's been four years, right? That you've been doing this. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. So, um, in the goal community and in on the podcast, I think it was maybe two or three podcasts ago, I talked about some home truths in growing a business and I said that like there is a lot of people out there that are saying, oh, do my course and I'll teach you how to make six figures in six months, which I said is all crap. And I said, you know, it takes minimum five years before you start seeing some traction and um, I think that's the case with you, right, Carla? You're starting to see, like I noticed that there was, a, you, you made a post um, about a week ago about a, a huge shoot, but, but you turned around and you knocked it back just because you didn't feel you were ready. So do you feel like, you know, at that four-year mark, you're starting to see some returns on your investment now? 
in terms of time and, and uh, the education? Yes, 100%. I 100% feel like it's really start. the traction has really started to move now. And, uh, and, and even coming out of COVID too. And so I feel like I have the ability now to, to a little bit more pick and choose what I want to do, exactly. which is nice. Oh, it's so nice. And also just for those who are starting out and feeling like uh, it's not going to happen for them, what, what was really the re- reality of the first year out in business for you? What, what was it like? Tell us the reality because I'm very honest about saying it's, it was hand to mouth for me for a long time. And that can be frustrating because you think, I know I can do this. Why isn't the phone ringing more? You know, was that the experience for you, Carla? It was, but I made the very conscious decision to do a slow growth. And that's where I was. And that's, I was able to do that. And I was really focused on learning um, the skills and making sure my work was good, you know, it was good enough to take the next step. So yeah, it is slow when you first put your name, there's a million photographers out there. I mean, everybody grabs a camera and they say they're a photographer. You see it locally on Facebook when somebody's looking for, you know, does anyone have a local fam- family photographer and 900 people post, you know, their names. Yep. So there's a ton of competition out there and it does take a while and you just have to show people your work. Yes. And And did you like, for in terms of niching down, so in that first couple of years, like obviously you were doing the landscape before that, but when you finally started photographing people, when did you decide or have you decided what your niche is? Because I see you're very good at, uh, like I, I see all the sort of tangents that you take, but they also follow your interests. Like obviously you're interested in yoga and um, and health, so I see that you're you're starting to do a lot of those portraits. You, you, you love the, the corporate headshots, but you don't like the stuffy ones with the grey background, so you do those open-air ones. How, how did that go about, like, getting that niche sort of happening? What, what, what was that process like for you? That's been actually very interesting and a little frustrating because you wonder, what what is it I want to do? What do I want to focus on? And you talk to people who aren't photographers and they tell you why, why do you need to focus on something? And you don't, but if you're trying to build a business, I think you do. Yeah. I think you do. And so I, um, have been trying to figure that out and what I really like to do, and it's not necessarily up on my website. You've seen some of them up in the, in the Goldie's post. I really like much more than corporate headshots. Those aren't terribly interesting to me. I do them for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I really like individual shots where you capture something in someone. Um, I mean, I've done a few of those, a bunch of those uh, musicians and young adults. And that's what I love. When you can get something out of someone, you can see something in their eyes. I find that so immensely satisfying. So they're the environmental portraits. uh, And I see and that works so well with the charity work as well that you're doing. But also, yes, the musicians uh, the athletes on the track. Uh, there's there's a lot of the work uh, that you've been doing that, that and that really suits your style. So I can see you continuing down that track, but also um, continuing on with the uh, the corporate headshots. And it's quite easy for you to do when you do that corporate headshot. Let's do an environmental portrait as well. Because you've got to remember that you know even corporates need a number of different promotional images. So you can be giving someone the whole package because. They might have a book that they want to put out or, um, 
they might have a, a magazine article being written about them and you, then you can give them the whole press kit. And it's like this doesn't apply to just, you know, actors and politicians. This is anyone in business needs that whole press kit because so you could easily do that, Carla. So that actually just happened to me last week that I had – Four people come in. They wanted um, the guy that ran the company said we just need. He sent me a great the gray background, you know, the typical gray background <laughs> with loop lighting. And he said this is what we need. And he walked in, and I said, you know, I also do these outdoor shots, and it might be nice. And so then I proceeded to do for each person, you know, indoor shots, and then we went outside. So I ended up doubling that order. And it's good. I mean, they're totally different look. I mean, he's going to use them. That's fantastic. So just um, walk me through that because there is a lot of photographers that are starting out and even some that have got like a few years under their belt that when the client comes and says, this is what I want, this is what they, that they, they get. So it's like the client comes along and says, I want this, I want you to match this corporate headshot. Not everyone has the confidence to say, sure, we'll do that, but let's go outside and try this as well. And you just said that effectively doubled your order. Um how does it feel doing that or you just have the confidence to do that straight off the bat? You know, it's interesting. I find that most people, when they come to a photographer, they all of a sudden, they don't know what they want. They don't know what they like. They don't know. They want you to tell them what they should do. Yes. And when you realize that, I mean, they really want you to tell them what, how to pose, what, what background they should use, you know, what outfit they should choose. So if you just start the conversation and I just picked up my phone and showed them my Instagram and showed them a bunch of outdoor shots and said, here, you know, that's what I do a lot. And that's, that worked, but really they want, they want guidance. People want guidance in this context. I mean, people are nervous when they're coming to get their photo taken. And so it's really an opening. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's like if they've got some, like we're not all con- that confident when we're shooting, but if you can pretend to be confident and or at least have some images that you go, like I think you'd look great at this and have, have an idea of how they would look good and offer them, like you just said, you double your money or you triple your money because you're not just giving them that one grey headshot which they might order one or two images. Suddenly you're giving them a variety of three or four different backgrounds of course they're going to want them all and you know you can double triple quadruple the the money that you make so i think that's a great idea yeah it's working working so far and it's good if it's it is good to have those photographs available i don't i mean if you're taking them in a studio then have them then have them up in your studio or have them on a tv screen or have them on have, have them on instagram you have to be able to show them so that you can you know, show them the different options. Exactly, but that's what's so fantastic about having having that um, or the folio on your phone, or just having them on your Instagram that you can you know refer back to them. So, just um, back to the lighting now. So, when you when you joined uh, the Gold Community, you had done some lighting courses before, but. Um, we took it to the net. You, you were still a bit reluctant with, with the lighting. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely accurate. And what is it that you didn't like about lighting? The, you know, there it, it's easy when you – it's easy, but you can also – you can also mess up, right? I mean, you can overexpose. It's just a little scarier. 
and you can make shadows and it's a little intimidating. I mean, it really isn't, it's intimidating to most people. I found it intimidating. Yeah. So what I love uh, about you as a student, Carla, is you, you ask some really great questions. You're not afraid to ask questions. Like you, you'll ask me like, you know, I think you asked me a little while back, um, what for two lights at 45 degree, what do I think? And I told you exactly what I thought. I think right. my answer was, it's like um, shoulder pads. Don't do it. <laughs> right, right. That is what you said. <laughs> and uh, and then I got you to do um, butterfly lighting for your, your corporate headshots. And I think you just posted a, a shot recently where I think you, you nailed that. How is that. How is that transition to, you know, doing the zero to hero course? And I think I coached you individually before you did all that course, how has that helped with your your lighting and your understanding of lighting and also your confidence in getting out there and setting up in any situation? I think it's been really critical. I mean, it's been critical to my development. The tutorial is really specific and amazing. And then you post your results, which so many people in the gold community have done. You get feedback from you, you get feedback from other community members. And you really do understand it because until you do it, you have to do this. And not only do you have to do it, you have to do it on the styrofoam head and then you have to do it. If you don't have a client, you have to do it on your child or your mom or whatever, because until you're in the environment where you have to make it work, you have, you know, you have to build your confidence that you can do it. And then you learn because you, you've provided a roadmap on how to do it. And it's not that complicated when you lay it out. Yeah, and it's like, um, did you did you do the styrofoam head or did you do self portraits? Because a lot of people do. So I think you did both, right? I I did both, but I posted self portraits, and that was another thing yeah. too during COVID. You, you everyone gets so nervous in front of a camera yeah. and you really have to feel their pain by, I didn't really understand that until I put myself in front of the camera and I did yeah. it as part of this learning experience, but it was really helpful to understand where your clients are coming from and how they feel when they're, when they're sitting in that hot spot. Yeah. Cause you so it had a dual like, purpose. Exactly. So you, you really understand it's like when you're showing your client a shot of them zoomed in at 200%, Maybe you shouldn't do that, you know. Right, exactly. Like, you know, when we look in the mirror, you know, I see myself when I was in my 20s in my head and then you right. take a self-portrait and you go, I don't look like I'm in my 20s anymore, you know. And it's right, really, exactly. It's a challenging thing to do. But what I love about, you know, that whole COVID period, of it's like, you know, there is a lot of the members um, in the Goldies are um, over, you know, not in their 20s, let's say. So right. we all had to confront that 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 fear, but I think everyone got over it really quickly. And then suddenly, everyone's posting this like, "I didn't get out of my pajamas for this, and <laughs> I didn't I didn't bother putting a, a a comb through my hair, and there's probably crusty bits in my eyes." But here's my shot, and everyone's like, "Ooh, the lighting's lovely." No one cares, you know. And right. That, and that's the the big thing. So when you can test on yourself. Um, you get to see how the light reacts to, to your skin tone. You get to see how far you can push it. Um, was that a surprise, how far you could push the skin tone without blowing it out? Yeah, that was a surprise and something that I've found very useful as I've continued to apply it to, to clients. Yeah, and then you've got to deal with that little hot spot on the forehead and the nose, but then it's easily gotten rid of and it, it just helps with the, with the, um, 
the whole overall look. So I think that um, that doing that is a great exercise. And then how, in terms of your confidence in getting out there and setting up a light in front of the client, how do you feel today as opposed to maybe a couple of years ago? I feel more confident, but I, in all honesty, I always am a little nervous when I do a shoot just because my expectations are very high and there, I mean, there are things that can go wrong. You have to be paying attention, right? You have to make sure your settings are correct. You, you have to make sure the lights placed correctly and you do that through practice. But I always feel, I think an appropriate amount of nerves before I go on a shoot that involves light. And there's just, there's just, you know, you have to make sure you put the person in the right place, right? They're not like in, in half light, half shadow. Mm -hmm. And so, but I feel confident that I know what to do and how to fix it. And I also have the confidence now to look on the back of my camera and not, and, and know that it's okay that I'm looking at the light. And I don't think, I don't, I'm not thinking that the client doesn't think I know what I'm doing because I know what I'm doing. I'm looking to see if I got it right. And if I have to fix it. So you're happy to slow down and check check all these things without the client without thinking that the client thinks you're incompetent, right? Yeah, I've definitely become more confident about doing that. Fantastic. And are you shooting tethered yet, Carla? I, you know, I'm not. I have been having problems with. I got a cable, and I have been. I actually just ordered another one. It's coming in the mail. I need to start doing that. Is on my to do list, and it should actually be here today. Fantastic. I did it for a short period, and the cable doesn't work. I think it's Great. I mean, it's instant feedback. Yes, absolutely. And just for the listeners, uh, because, you know, often people are imagining that you've got all this amazing gear and you're doing this stuff with, you know, the the high-end gear. You've only got a couple of lights, right? A speed light and a 500 head is that, is I have a, but I've you know I, I I now have two Godox right the wireless 600, the, the 600 what 600 but I yep. started with one yep. I had a speed light yep then I added the other one and you know slowly I didn't yes. just go buy it all no. at once and then you've got the small octa and a big octa or yeah I do I have a small octa and a big octa I've got two really big umbrellas yes and that's it so far. I mean, there's, I don't really have a need. I've thought about a rectangular softbox, but I mean, that's a whole nother thing, understanding what to use when. Yeah. And we talked about that off air earlier about the, and there'll be a, a tutorial coming up about all the different octas and softboxes and what they do, but really the, the gear that you've got, what you had before, you didn't probably even need that, that second um, 600. It's going to come in handy for doing large groups and things like that. But you can start with a single speed light and an umbrella 100%. and a light stand. And that's pretty much how uh, a lot of the tutorials that I do are one light, one speed light. And that's uh, under a couple of hundred dollars to get yourself started. So it doesn't have to be this multi-thousands of dollars set up. So um, I'm really excited for your future, Carla. What, what, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, that's a really, you saved the hardest question for last, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I would love to do more. If I had my druthers, I would love to do more individual, meaningful portraits right. of people doing what they love, whether it's playing the piano or holding a football or sitting on the beach or things. That's what I really like to do, really capturing people in their element. And and that's that's a harder piece to grow, and that requires a little bit of vulnerability from the client as well. Yes. But I love the challenge. 
Uh, is that something you could maybe start as a personal project and grow? Yeah, I could, and, and, and I have, but I haven't really, I need to dedicate some more time to it because it's what I really, really like to do. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like, um, I do some family photography, but I don't, you know, I don't like, I don't, I don't think any of us do any of those cheese shots. You know, yes. I really don't like those. Yeah. So I don't like that. I don't think that's good. And so if finding, you know, the in-between moment is really what I'm trying to do, whether it be with families or, or friends or an individual. Fantastic. I think that's a great uh, spot to end it there. Um, I've got, um, I'm really excited for your future and I'm um, so happy that you took the time today uh, to chat with us. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing uh, what you do in the next few years, Carla. And I, I appreciate your time very much. Thank you, Gina. It was a pleasure to speak with you, really, truly. I, I love the community and I think you're amazing. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Carla. Great interview with Carla. Love it. I know. Yeah, she's um she's amazing. I'm uh, so proud of the uh, the work that she's achieved and just how far she's come. Um, if you want to check out her work, Val, do you want to just read out those links there? Yeah. So check her out on Instagram at k livney l i v n e y underscore photography, and her website is causography. That's c a u s e cause ography.net so definitely check her out fantastic Excellent. so what else is happening for you this week Gina all right so um, after we finish this interview Val I'm going to keep continue planning my tomatoes and basil <laughs> so and I was just um telling you off air that I reckon you should have a crack at parsley because you can't get that mm -hmm. wrong I think you should well Gina wants me to Italian parsley yeah not the she other parsley, that's bogan The curly parsley. parsley. No. Yeah, apparently no, that's bogan no, parsley, but I no, like the bogan no. parsley. That's the one they use in the butcher shops. It's wrong. But it's they wrong also on all use levels. it in other things. Okay, so what's your favourite restaurant at the moment, Val, just down the road from you, the Frenchy one, right? You love uh, going I to. Know. Okay, what kind of parsley mm -hmm. do they use? I don't know. And if you told them that you like the curly parsley, I don't think they'd serve you anymore. <laughs> You're going to be very careful who you say that to. <laughs> I'm just being authentic, Gina. I don't I know, have you're to very be authentic, posh and pretend that you to I like posh, fancy food. I'm telling you to just like try the good stuff because it looks so lovely. Uh, you think I've never tried the flat plat parsley? Oh, no, but I just want you to, to have a go at growing it from seed mm. and it might just spark your interest in a little bit more in gardening. I know you're getting into it and you've developed, you know, you've discovered the joy of picking your own lemons. Imagine mm -hmm. going, oh, this recipe needs some parsley. I'm just going to go out into the backyard. Yeah, but that's what I do with curly parsley. Yeah, but try the other one. All right, All right, okay, Let, let's not. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Oh, so many things. Oh, my goodness. You know you, how you get through the day and you know that you have not stopped all day, like mm -hmm. literally not stopped mm. to even eat, mm. and you, but you can't think of what you did? Yeah, that's right. That's my days at so the that's moment. That's where you're at. So they're just like mm. jam-packed. So that mm. at the end of the day, you take the what colour peel that just wipes your memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That's how <laughs> top secret your life is. It's like, ah, we can't discuss <laughs> this. There's too many NDAs involved. You know, I'm on a big project at the moment. Like it'll go to the end of the year and it's like I've got to wipe all of that when it's finished as well, Val. You know, I know really? I, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no you know I'm and then I've got so many books to read and yeah. oh anyway I won't whinge about my life no, um, <laughs> all right let's uh where do we find you online Gina so you can find me at ginamilitia.com that's g-i-n-a-m-i-l-i-c-i-a I'm at Gina Militia on all social media and if you want um if you want to take your work to the next level, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Just head to genomelicia.com and click on, what is it, Val? Membership. Memberships. That's the one. And, uh, yeah, yeah I'd love, hope to see you in the gold community sometime. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.